Open your Bibles with me to Psalm 49. Psalm 49, a simple psalm, a psalm we've turned to many times before, but one that we want to review and remember because of what it declares in the way of axioms about life and death and eternal life. As we read through this psalm, be paying close attention to its words. I'm not going to comment, but just very briefly on it, we're going to read two psalms this morning. There's no reason why we can't fill ourselves with as much of the Word of God as possible. This is a declaration inspired by the God of heaven that promised eternal life before the world began, that also promised eternal damnation before the world began, because before of old they were ordained to condemnation. But this psalm declares the hopelessness of the wicked and the ruin of death and how it destroys them and how they don't get the message after 6,000 years. But there's a different message for those who trust Him and know about the promise that was made before the world began. But it's made manifest through preaching. And Psalm 49 was preached by the psalmist. And it's been in Bibles for 3,000 years. Let's all rise together. And read in unison Psalm 49 and what it declares to us. And may we humble ourselves before its truth. Amen. Together. Hear this, all ye people. Give ear, all ye inhabitants of the world. Both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak of wisdom. And the meditation of my heart shall be of understanding. I will incline my ear to a parable. I will open my dark saying upon the heart. Wherefore should I fear in the days of evil, when the iniquity of my evils shall compass me about? They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. None of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious, and it ceaseth forever, that he should still live forever, and not see corruption. For he seeth that wise men die, likewise the fool and the brutish person perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever, and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not. He is like the beasts that perish. This their way is their folly, Yet their posterity approved their sayings. See them. Blessed sheep, they are laid in the grave. Death shall be on them, and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning. And their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. For he shall receive me. Selah. Be not thou afraid when one is made rich, 
house is increased. For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Though while he lived, he blessed his soul. And men will praise thee when thou doest well to thyself. He shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. Man that is in honor and understandeth not is like the beasts that perish. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Without the understanding of this psalm, we are brute beasts. But thanks be to God for this understanding. I hope the words were plain enough. The first few verses tell you that it's to all men, rich and poor, all the inhabitants of the world, low and high. It doesn't matter because the fool dies like the wise man and the rich and poor meet together at the same funeral home. Oftentimes laying on the same table, it makes no difference. They can boast and trust in their wealth, but it will not do them any good because the redemption of their soul is precious. It takes the precious blood of Christ to redeem them from the power of death, and it ceases forever. It's not added to, nor will it ever be repeated, but he, by one offering forever, hath perfected them that are sanctified. They see wise men die and fools die in verse 10. Their inward thought is that it's not going to happen to them. They continue to see men dying, and yet their posterity approve their sayings in verse 13. This their way is their folly. They do not wise up. They are so entranced with the things of this life, they cannot think beyond it. Though they watch, all their colleagues and all their peers die. And though they bury their fathers, they cannot catch on because the world has captured their hearts. Right. Lord, save us. I want verses 14 and 15. Like sheep, dumb animals, stupid animals, so that you don't think I'm just speaking about their lack of speech. Stupid animals, they are laid in the grave. They're dropped in just like carcasses, as they are. Death shall feed on them. Everything in that ground, the moisture of it, the clamminess of it, the worms of it, feed on their dead carcasses. And the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning. How often have men died for the righteous to have their things in the morning? King Saul was killed in the battlefield for David to take his throne and his wives. As one example of many. But there's a day coming in the which the upright are going to have dominion over all the wicked. Because we're going to stand with the Lord Jesus Christ and judge them and the angels. Their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. They're going to stay there a while and dwell in that grave, and their beauty is going to consume away. This is the wicked in verse 14. We are in verse 15. And we get to start that verse with a disjunctive. Amen. Meaning, verse 15 is set in opposition to verse 14. 
it is different. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Selah. Stop and think about this great difference that God has made. This is Psalm 49. This is a declaration of things unknown to natural man. This is a declaration to all men, low and high. This is what ought to be taught in every class of biology or all the other allergies that deal with mankind. This is what ought to be declared. And that if you don't get it, you're just a stupid animal. You're a brute beast. Because man that is in honor according to the last and 20th verse and understandeth not is like the beast that perish. They're just like the brute creation that runs around, gathers their food, defecates it, and falls over dead. There's no difference if we don't get Psalm 49. Get Psalm 49. God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. Don't be afraid of anyone when it appears that they are being blessed or that they are prospering because it's just for a short period of time, then they'll be dropped just like sheep into a grave and they will corrupt as fast as the sheep. There's no difference. Verse 17, he's not going to take a thing with him when he descends down into the ground and down into hell. Though he may have blessed himself while he was alive and done many great and noble things for himself to get himself a name, the Lord doesn't take any notice of it whatsoever. The Lord takes notice of them that fear Him. Amen. The Lord takes notice of them that love Him. Right. The Lord takes notice of them that keep His Father's commandments. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. That is how you know you're in verse 15. There is no other way to know that you're in verse 15. Faith is not enough. The devils believe and tremble. It is faith plus works. It is faith that worketh by love. It is the work and labor of faith that is proof. But verse 15, God will redeem. He'll buy us back because the price has been paid by the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. He'll redeem my soul from that clutching power that reigns over the rest of the human race. There's a king. Death is king. And it's the king of terrors. Job 18 and verse 14. Death is the king of terrors. But Jesus Christ has bought us back from that king by the laying down of his own life and his resurrection from the dead. And he's going to receive us. He's going to be in the air shortly and yell for us to come up, whether we're alive or we're sleeping in the ground. We're going to come up, and so shall we ever be with the Lord, because he is going to receive us. Bless his holy name. We wouldn't know it without this wonderful book. And that's an axiom. Psalm 49 contains the rules of human existence. May we lay hold of them. Open your Bibles to Psalm 73. Psalm 73, I love the Lord because He knows me. Because the Bible says, like a good father pitieth his children, the Lord pitieth them that fear Him. He remembers their frame, that they are dust. I love the Lord because He knows how weak and frail I am, so He didn't just give me Psalm 49. 
He gave me Psalm 73 so that I could see the chosen song leader and the leader of worship in Israel, David's right-hand man, confused, discouraged, cast down, and without hope, envious at the wicked, resenting his life of self-denial until he came into the house of God on September 27th, the year of our Lord, 2009 A.D. This psalm you know, we've been to it many times. But it is by repetition and remembering things that we get stirred up to lay hold of the things that we ought not to let slip. Psalm 73 tells us, That in verse 2, Asaph, David's song leader, his feet were almost gone. His steps had well nigh slipped. And when we read all the way down through verse 16, he is going to say, I look at the wicked. They are living lives of self-indulgence. And they're happy. There's no bands in their death. They have big families. They leave big inheritance to inheritances to them. I'm washing my hands every day in vain. I'm chastening my heart in vain. Why do I have to live a life of self-denial and the wicked are living lives of indulgence excess? It's all a waste. I know it's wrong, but I don't see where it's wrong. And I know if I were to talk this way, my brethren The children of God would be highly offended. This is all in the first 14 verses. You're going to read it. Here's what I want to lay on you. Our brother Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of the God that I love and that you should love, said, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Asaph gives us a living testimony that he forgot about the life that comes after death And he was, of all men, most miserable. He didn't have the pleasures and indulgences of the wicked. And he didn't have the joy of the righteous. And when we're living a carnal life, it is the worst of both worlds. We can't can't enjoy the pleasures of sin because we have a conscience that's constantly smiting us. We don't have the joy of our salvation because we've grieved and quenched the Holy Spirit of God. We are miserable. Verse 16, when I thought to know this, as I thought upon this, as I looked at my neighbors, as I looked at my schoolmates, as I looked at all the carnal Christians around me that say they love Jesus but live any way they want to, I, it, looked, it appeared to me that my life of self-denial and godly living was in vain. Verse 17, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I therein. I got straightened out when I went back to church. This is why we come into the house of God. There's 168 hours in a week. We give four on the Lord's Day morning for us to be reminded of these things so that we can get straightened out. So that our feet can be put back on a rock. So that we can be lifted up in strength to go another week. It's the Lord's Day. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood 
I therein. And then he describes what's going to happen to them in verses 18, 19, 20. Verse 21, he now is very convicted that he has been very foolish. And he's grieved over his wrong thinking. The same in verse 22. And then in verse 23, he sets the record straight. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Nevertheless. Grab how comforting this is. The word nevertheless. Though I lost my way. Though I got confused, though I was envious at the wicked, though my feet had slipped from standing on a solid foundation, though I was starting to question whether it was worth it being a Christian or not, though I was an idiot before thee, he says that in verses 19 through 21, through 22, nevertheless I am continually with thee. You are always with me. I am always with you. Thou hast holden me by thy right hand. You did not let me altogether slip. When we have these times, the Lord has brought us back, hasn't he? Or you wouldn't be here today. Or you're a liar and you're here as a hypocrite anyway. And none of this applies to you in the least degree. He holds us by his right hand and brings us back by the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. And afterwards, receive me. Is that the word we had in Psalm 49? Receive me to glory. This is Psalm 49. I gave you the explication before we read it. Now let's stand together and read Psalm 73. This is comforting, brethren, that though we have the declaration of inspired truth in Psalm 49, we have a personal testimony in Psalm 73 about a man who slipped, and who God brought back, and he explains the benefit of coming into the house of God together. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness, They have more than heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of a full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How does God know? And is their knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have
every morning. If I say, I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then understood I their end. Amen. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation as in a moment? They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awaketh, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I, and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but of thee? And there is none on earth that I desire beside thee. My flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all thy works. Amen and amen. amen. You may be seated. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. He declares the facts in Psalm 49. He gives us a personal testimony of one of the great men of Scripture in Psalm 73. And he tells us why we come into the house of God. Because the things that we need to straighten out our thoughts are only available in the house of God. Because God hath made manifest his word through preaching. Which was committed to Paul's trust. And Paul wrote it down. And this day we shall consider some of Paul's writings for the profit of our souls. 